Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team. Did you listen to those words? The one phrase that hit me is, our God is strong and he can do all things. Do you believe that? That's a great truth to hold on to. Well, good morning. I am Dave and I'm one of the pastors here as well. And it is hard to believe that 2017 is almost gone. So it went by so fast. One more day and then uh, tomorrow we face a new year. And I'm excited because I believe that what God has placed on my heart to share with you this morning, God is going to use to encourage us, to inspire us, and to motivate us as we head into this new year. Because I believe this with all of my heart, that God has some great things in store for us in 2018. Do you believe that? We need to hold on to that, right? And so, I am going to pray to get things off on the right foot. Let's just go before God, ask him to come and to speak to us this morning. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this past year. And for the way you've blessed us individually, but also as a church. And Lord, we look forward to this new year and what is in store for us. But Lord, we've gathered this morning and we have sang praises to you because you rightfully deserve it. But in these next few moments, you want to speak to us. And so I pray that you would remove all the distractions of the week or of this coming year. And that we would literally, truly listen to you. And not just listen to what you're going to say to us, but have the courage to live it out. And Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way, because you are the potter, and I am the clay, and I thank you so much for that privilege. In your name I pray, amen. This morning, I have brought with me a carton of chocolate milk, just in case I get thirsty. No, I'm not going to drink it. Here's the thing. People are thinking, Dave, what's with the chocolate milk? Well, when I was a kid, chocolate milk was a precious commodity especially in the carton. When you saw the carton, it was like, ooh, yeah, you know? And so we never got this unless it was a special occasion. And so when my mom and dad came home with a carton of chocolate milk, my brother, my sister, and I all got excited. Now, here's the thing. As kids, certain images are burned into your memory. And one of the images burned into my memory, if I close my eyes, I can actually picture it, is my brother, myself, and my sister sitting at the kitchen table with empty milk glasses in front of us. And mom or dad would begin to pour the milk, the chocolate milk, not normal milk, because that's just boring, chocolate milk. And we would watch and we would compare because there was no way that my brother or my sister was going to get more chocolate milk than me. How many of you ever been there? Did that? Okay. Now, you know what? That is a silly thing for us to do as kids. But I think a lot of us are still caught in that trap of comparison. We don't compare chocolate milk anymore, but we look around us and we go, man, why don't I have what they have? You see, it's a game that we all play, and the reason why we play it is because it, it comes so naturally to us. We look at those around us, and we begin to compare and compete without even thinking about it. We wonder why we don't have what they have. And then what we do is this, is we begin to devise a plan, right, of how we can get it. 
And I think one of the biggest factors that feeds into this desire within us is social media. It's true. Now, being a youth pastor, I speak a lot to teenagers about the danger of comparing ourselves with others on social media. But you know the one thing I'm learning? Guess what? As adults, we struggle too. Let's be honest. We do. Whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat, it kind of sucks us in. And the thing about social media, and you know this, is people post the pretty sides of their life. And then we instantly compare. It's like a hook that is baited. And guess what? We go for it every time. Why? Because deep down inside of us, we want to be better. Now here's the thing I want to tell you. There is no win in comparison. There isn't. Because just when you think you're better than someone else, guess what? There is always someone better than you. And what happens is this, is comparison only brings more anxiety, more insecurity, and more disappointment into our lives. And this is what we need to understand this morning. Trying to measure up only brings us down. Do you get that? Trying to measure up only brings us down. Because listen to the, what, what King Solomon said. One of the wisest men that ever lived. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4, he said this. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. So King Solomon, what he was doing was this. He was looking around and seeing people compare and compete with one another. And what he does is this, is he compares it to chasing the wind. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever here tried to chase the wind? Let's be honest. I know it's kind of silly, but you're like, oh, okay, yeah. All right. If you try to do it, two things will happen. Number one is this, is you will look like a fool. Because what you've been doing, you're running around going, oh, okay, you'll look like a fool. Second thing is this, is you will never, ever catch it, no matter how hard you try. And so in other words, chasing the wind is basically a waste of time. And so that's the point of this verse, because that is exactly where the comparison game leads. It's meaningless. It keeps us captive to some imaginary standard of good enough that we can't just quite reach. And this is the sad part. It sets us up to never really enjoy our successes. And the reason why is because we want more. And as great as these successes are, we're like, yeah, but, but we can do better. And to be honest with you, we become very miserable with our failures. And we don't let them go. And sometimes we never move on from them. And let me tell you something this morning. Listen to me. That is no way to live. It's not. But the sad thing is this. There's a lot of Christians today living that way. Now here's the good news. God has a better plan for us. But, listen to me. It involves changing our focus. Now the Apostle Paul made this very powerful statement I want to read to you. It's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. It says this, Set your mind 
on things above, not on earthly things. You see, if we determine our value by the world standard, guess what? We will never, ever be good enough. It's like chasing the wind, always just a little bit out of reach. But here's the exciting part. If we look to God, what we realize is this. Our value was determined at the moment of our creation. When God created you, he placed value on you at that very moment. You didn't need to earn it. You didn't need to do something to get it because God found you valuable. And this is the great part. Not only does he give us value, but he has a plan for us to do great things for his glory. I don't know about you, but that is exciting. And that is worth living for and striving for. Now, this morning what we're going to do is this is we're going to take some time to look at a parable that Jesus told. Now, for those of you who don't know what a parable is, a parable is basically a story. And all of us love a good story, and Jesus was actually a master at storytelling. He was a great storyteller. And the parable that Jesus tells here, the story, I believe, was going to help us get out of this comparison game that a lot of us can easily get trapped by. Right? Now, the story we're going to look at this morning is the parable of the talents, and it's found in Matthew 25. you got your Bibles. I want to encourage you to turn. If you've got your phone or your iPad, whatever it is, it'll be on the screen just in case you, if you don't have it, but I really want you to see this for yourself, okay? So it's the parable of the talents. Now, before we begin, I want to make one point of clarification. When we talk about a talent here in this story, it's not referring to a skill, right? What it's referring to is an amount of money. Okay, and you're going to see that as the story kind of unfolds. So let's go to Matthew 25, verse 14. Let's begin. It says this. And again, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, what I want you to notice right away here is this, is the master doesn't give his money to his servants. He doesn't say, here, this money is yours. It doesn't say that. What it says is this, is the story tells us that he allowed them to manage his money while he was gone. So what he was basically saying is this, is while I am gone, I expect you to do with my money what I would do with my money, okay? So it is very clear from the beginning that the master will eventually return and these servants will have to give an account of how they use the money. Okay, important to remember. Let's go to verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, there's a key phrase here that I don't want you to miss, and the phrase is this, according to his ability. All right, each according to his ability. Now, when I was a kid, I remember learning this story in Sunday school on flannel graph. Remember flannel graphs? I love flannel graph. But anyways, it's, I know. But anyways, so flannel graph, and I remember thinking to myself, man, this master has favorites. Because it says that one he gave five bags of gold to, another he gave two, and another he gave one. So this guy with five bags probably is his, 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 his star Jedi, you know? It's like, oh, this is a great guy. This guy is okay. This guy is, uh, I don't know, All right? But what I want you to understand this morning is this, is that is not the case. It's not. Like any good boss, what he did was this. 
is he looked at the skill and the experience of each servant, and he gave responsibility according to their abilities. This is huge. You see, this master didn't have favorites. He loved each servant, and his desire was this, was not to overwhelm them. And so he gave them an amount that they knew they could handle. He could, they could handle. So the reason why the, the guy got five is because the master knew he can handle this. The one with two, he can handle this. And the one with one, they can handle this. It wasn't playing favorites. And this is so important for us to understand as we continue to read this story. All right? Let's continue. Verse 16, it says this. The man who received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the man with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So get this. The first two go off, they invest the money, they double it. The last one goes off and he hides it in the ground. Now, what is the difference between the first two and the last one? The first two were willing to take a risk. The last one wanted to play it safe. You know, maybe he thought this, what could I possibly do with one bag of gold? It's not like I have five, like this guy, or two, because if I had that, maybe it would be a different story, but all I have is one, and this is all I can do. Now, the story continues. After a long, a long time, verse 19, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. So in other words, the master wanted to know, basically, okay, guys, I've been away for a long time. You have my money. I want to know what you have done with this, okay? Verse 22 says this. The man who had, oh, sorry, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And I love this. The master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And if you notice in that thing, there's a lot of exclamation marks because the master was really pleased with this servant and what he had done. Now, the boss, basically what he was saying was this, is because you've been a faithful with a few things and you have been trustworthy, I am now going to put you in charge of many things. The second man comes in. Listen to what it says. The man with two bags of gold also came. Mastery said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, I want you to notice this. Look at this. He responds the same way to both servants. Do you notice that? He's excited with both of them. Why? Because get this. The amount wasn't the issue. Did you get that? The amount wasn't the issue. The issue is what they did with what they were given. You see, the guy with five bags went off and he doubled it. The guy with two bags went off and doubled it. And in the master's eyes, because what did he do? He gave them according to their abilities, right? 
And so in the master's eyes, they both did well because they both doubled what he had given them. And so that is why the master's so happy with both of them. Because this is what I've given you because the amount isn't the issue. This is what I've given you and look what you've done with it. You've doubled it. That is why he is so excited. Now, if this was a movie, okay, this is where the soundtrack would change. From happy, like, da 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 to, to sad, you know, like, wah, wah, okay? Because here's the thing. Third guy comes in. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Mastery said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And what I want you to notice here is this, is before this servant even begins to talk about money, what he does is this, is he points at the master. Do you notice that? And what he is saying is this, is before I tell you anything, this is kind of your fault. Just saying. Because of the kind of guy you are, this is kind of your fault. And what he says in verse 25 is really crucial. He says, so I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. What this servant was saying was simply this. I was scared. And anyone in my situation would have responded the same way because of who you are. Because you're pretty intimidating. And anyone that had one bag of gold would have done exactly the same thing. And I think the thing that's interesting in this story, which I never saw before, is that the servant kind of turns the tables on the master and says, you know what? This is, this is your fault, actually. Because of the kind of person you are, I was a little intimidated. And so that's why I did what I did. Now, listen to how the master responds, though. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So what he's saying is this, is you're without excuse. You could have at least put it in the bank and gained some interest, but you hid it in the ground. And this is what the master says. He continues to so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten. Now, at the first glance, this, seem, this seems kind of unfair that he would take that bag of gold and give it to the guy who had ten. But here's the thing. Uh, he, like this master knew that this first servant, he was a wise manager. And he knew that if he gave him that one bag of gold, he would make the most of it. And that's why he does what he does. Now, here's the point of the parable. Listen to this. For whoever has been given more, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Listen to verse 30. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what this master says is basically, you know what? Get this servant out of my inner circle. Now, the question we have to ask is this, is what is the weeping and gnashing of teeth? The weeping and gnashing of teeth, I believe here, is frustration. Have you ever gritted your teeth and gone, oh man, I wish I had said that, or I wish I had done that? 
You see, the weeping and gnashing of teeth here is frustration, sadness, and, and even regret of a mishandled opportunity. I can guarantee you that that, ser- that third servant, as he was being let out, was going, man, if I could do that over again, I would have done it so differently. Man, I missed this opportunity. And so in this servant, I think there was a bunch of frustration and sadness and regret because if they could do it over again, they would have done it differently. And so I think this is what we can take away from this parable that Jesus tells us. Listen to this. This is the big idea I want you to get. What you have matters less than what you do with it. Did you get that? What you have matters less than what you do with it. I think a lot of us are so focused on, this is what I want to have. And what Jesus says, no, 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 no. What you have has been given by God. And that matters less than what you actually do with what God has given you. Because remember the parables, right? The five gold bags of gold, the two bags of gold. The issue wasn't the amount of money. The issue is what they did. Because when the master returned, the guy with five bags who made it ten, the guy that had four bags and made, or four, two bags and made it four, he was praised by their masters. Okay? The master was happy with both of them. So what you have matters less than what you do with it. So... Let me put some handles on this so we can actually take it away and apply it. Now, you guys know me. I am Mr. Object Lesson, and so I got another object for you today. I figure it's, it's, the, it's the end of the year. We'll do two special. Uh, but I love objects because it kind of gives you an idea of how to kind of visualize this. Now, this morning I have with me a bookshelf, okay? And you're all wondering, Dave, why do you have a bookshelf? Let me explain it to you. I believe that our life is like a bookshelf. God puts certain things on that shelf. Maybe there's a picture of your family and friends because after all, God has given those relationships to you, right? Maybe you have a picture of a a diploma here and it's represented education that God has given to you. Maybe there's a basketball or a set of paints representing the, the gifts and abilities and talents you have. Maybe on the bottom shelf, there's a piggy bank representing your wealth because after all, God has given you and trusted you with that wealth. And maybe there's a picture of an exotic place representing the dreams of your future. And here's the cool thing, is all of these things put together is what makes us who we are. And it is an absolutely unique combination of these things that make up our life and our story. And this is the crazy part. Nobody's bookshelf looks exactly like yours. They're all different. And so in a sense, everything on this shelf is what God has entrusted to you. This is your talents that the master has given you. Now, some of it we like, some of it not so much. Some of it wish we could change. Some of us probably think, man, I wish I had more talent or or more more friends than the other person did. But this is what I want you to get. It doesn't really matter. Because you know why? This is who we are. This is the way God's created us. This is what God's entrusted to us. Our gifts, our ability, everything is on this shelf. And so what Jesus is trying to tell us here is this. 
is what's on this shelf is not nearly as important as what we do with what's on this shelf. Do you get that? What's on this shelf is not nearly as important as what we do with what's on the shelf. And so the point of this story is this. If we believe that everything on this shelf comes from God who loves us, who is gracious towards us, and who has a plan for our lives, then listen to me. It is a waste of time to complain about what's on the shelf or what's not on the shelf. What we need to do is this, is we need to believe that what's on this shelf is exactly what we need to do what God wants us to do. God hasn't left us lacking. He hasn't said, okay, go and do this, but I'm going to take this off. He goes, no, from the very beginning when I created you, I gave you everything you need to do what I'm calling you to do. You've got to believe that, and you've got to embrace that. Because the Bible is very clear. We see this idea, even in this parable, that someday every one of us is going to give an account of what we've done with what's on our shelf. It's true. And so the fact is this, is we want to make sure that we use it to the best of our abilities. Now here's the temptation. It's a temptation every day that we struggle with. I struggle with it. The temptation is this, is to look at everybody else's shelf. Be like, man, if I had that, or if, if I could do that, things would be different. And let me tell you something. If we do that, we are like the third servant in this story. Because I think he walked away thinking, he has five, he has two, why do I only have one? And what we can do is this, is we can say, God, you know what? It's kind of your fault. Because if you had given me more money or made me look like that or, or allowed me to live there, then I could have done more for you. But God's like, no, 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 no. I don't need to do that. Because on this shelf is everything you need to do what I have called you to do. You see, I don't want to be like that first servant. I don't. I want to be like the first two, or the last servant. I want to be like the first two servants who basically said, okay, this is what my master has given to me. I am not going to compare. I'm not going to compete. I need to be accountable for this. I'm going to use this to the best of my ability because someday I believe with all of my heart that I am going to appear before God and God is going to say, okay, Dave, what did you do with what's on your shelf? And everything inside of me desperately longs to hear God say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And this is the part I love. This is what I love. Come and share your master's happiness. That's what I want to hear. I hope with all of my heart that's what you want to hear as well. But we need to remember the point of this parable. The issue isn't what's on the shelf. The issue is what you do with what's on the shelf. Now, let me give you two action steps 
so we can actually live this out this week. And these two things are very simple, but they're very powerful. This is what I want to encourage you to do, okay? If you have a photographic memory just kind of, or a good memory, just store it away. If your memory is like mine, write it down, okay? Because you don't want to remember these two things. If we want to experience this kind of life, the first thing we have to do is this. Celebrate what others have. Celebrate what others have. You see, our natural reaction is to be envious of what others have. Right? Man, I, I wish I had a house like that, or I wish I could go on vacations like that, or I wish I, I drove a car like that. And the problem with that mindset is this, is that it causes us to fall into this trap of comparison. And like I said to you before, there is no win in comparison. In fact, listen to the, the, the words of, of, of Paul in, uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. You've all heard this verse. It's a very short phrase. It says this, rejoice with those who what? Who rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And yes, it is a simple phrase, but get this, it is so crucial because when we celebrate what others have and we can truly rejoice with them, what happens is this, is it takes the focus off of us. You see, what traps us in this comparison game is when we make it all about me. I want more things on my shelf. I don't like this. I want to return this and trade it for something else. What we need to do is say, okay, you know what? No, we need to celebrate what others have. So someone else gets a promotion or they go on a nice vacation. Instead of saying, man, why isn't that happening with me? You celebrate it. Because when you celebrate it, what forces you to do is this, is it forces you to take your attention off you. Let me tell you something. When you focus on you, every single time you will be in trouble. Because the decisions you will make will not be godly decisions. There'll be decisions on how you can make it better. But when you can celebrate what others have, and the cool thing is this, is I think God honors that. And I think when we can celebrate what others have, God blesses us. Because our focus is different. So, the first thing is this, is celebrate what others have. The second thing I would tell you is this, is use what God has given you. Use what God has given you. So celebrate what others have, and the second thing is this, kind of goes hand in hand, use what God has given you. Now here's the thing, here's the sad thing. For some of us, we don't even know what God has given us. And the reason why is because we have spent so much time playing this comparison game, wondering why we don't have this or that. We are more concerned about what's happening over the fence in our neighbor's backyard than what's going on in our own backyard. Wouldn't you agree? We get sidetracked. And so, for some of us, maybe the first thing we need to do is we actually need to do an inventory of what God has given us. The gifts, the abilities, the blessings that he has entrusted to us. And maybe here this morning he's like, Dave, I don't even know what my gifts and abilities are. What I would tell you to do is this, is simply ask. Ask God to show you. If you go before God and you say, God, you know what? I know you've given me gifts and abilities, and I know you want me to use them for your glory. Just show me what it is. He will. But you've got to want to use them, okay? Don't ask and just put them to the side. Another thing you can do is this, is ask someone who you trust and who knows you well. If you go to them and say, listen, I'm really, I really want to be used by God in 2018, 
Can you help me here? Can you sh- tell me, like, what are some of my gifts? What are some of my abilities? What are some things you see in me? And those godly people in our lives will be able to identify them. In fact, I believe sometimes God will speak through them. Because understand this. We have got to know what's on our shelf before we can use it. And the sad thing is a lot of us as Christians, we have these shelves, but we're so concerned about everyone else's shelves, we don't even know what's on our shelf. And before we can use it, we have to know what it is. You see, God has given us exactly what we need on our shelves to do what he's called us to do. And so what God wants us to do is this, is use it, maximize it, and multiply it. That's what he wants. And we need to believe that God has equipped us and that we lack nothing. Because the moment you think you lack something is the moment you fall in comparison mode. But if you believe that God has equipped you for everything that he wants you to do and that you lack nothing, the confidence that you get is amazing. Do we believe that this morning? Don't say it too quickly, okay? Because Pastor Dave wants everyone to say amen. Don't, don't do that. Because if you don't believe that, then maybe you need to go back and look and say, okay, God, what is it? What are some things that, that you've given me that, that, I want to, that you want me to use for your glory? Because if you don't, the alternative is this, and this is the scary alternative. Either you live this way or you live this way, spending the rest of your life looking left and right, wondering if you measure up. Wondering why I don't have this or why I don't have this or why this situation has happened to me. And what happens is this, is you live a life that lacks confidence. You see, this is the truth. It's not because Pastor Dave says it, it's because the word of God says it. Listen to me. God made us unique. And God has equipped us to do great things for his glory. Do you believe that? Now here's the thing, is I can't speak for you. But I know as I'm getting older, and and God's teaching me things, I do not want to miss out. I don't. I don't want to be like that third servant who just buries it in the ground and someday God says, what do you do? I say, this is exactly what you gave me. No, I want to be one of the first two that says, God, you know, I did everything I possibly could with what you had, you've given me. I was, I was satisfied with this. I wasn't comparing or competing with others. I just knew that you have given me everything I need to do what you have called me to do for your glory. So remember the big idea. Remember this. What you have matters less than what you do with it. All right? The story of the parable wasn't about the fact that one had five, one had two, and one had one. That wasn't the fact. That wasn't the issue. The issue was the master gave them, according to their ability, what they could handle. Why? Because the master loved them. He didn't want them to be overwhelmed. He said, I've given you this money. Now what you have, don't look at everyone else, but what you have, go and make the most of it. And that's why when the one came back and said, here, I got 10, the other one said, here, I got four, the master was just as happy because he had, they had done everything they possibly could. They used it. They maximized it, and they multiplied it. Here's the thing. 
We are on the brink of a new year, a fresh start, a new beginning. And I want you to imagine for a moment what it would look like if we really got this. I don't mean to just listen to it and go have lunch. I mean, God says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And you're like, I am going to change things. If we broke free of the comparison game and we could truly celebrate, like I mean truly celebrate, not like, oh, that's great, but truly celebrate what others have and begin to use what God has given us, let me tell you something. I believe things would change. Our life would change. Our families would change. This church would change. Our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, they would all change as well. If we would only choose to change our focus. Stop looking around and trying to find our value according to the world standard. But instead, looking up and seeing just how valuable we are to God. Because if you're here this morning and you don't believe you're valuable to God, that is a lie from the devil. Because you open up the Bible and what this is, is this is a love letter from God to you. And the reason why God has given it to you is because you are valuable. God wouldn't have sent his son to die for someone who's not valuable. But in God's mind, you are valuable. And when we understand that, and we understand that everything on this shelf God has equipped us with, we are lacking nothing, and we can focus on this, and we can use this for his glory, I'll tell you something. That in itself will make 2018 an amazing year. Let me pray. Dora, thank you so much for the fact that we are valuable to you and that we are loved by you and that you placed value on us at the moment of our creation. And Lord, I pray that all of us would leave this morning believing that you have equipped us and we lack nothing. Everything that is on our shelf is what we need to bring honor and praise to you. Lord, but I know that when we leave here and we turn the TV on and we go on our computers and our social devices, that, that, that the desire to compare, that hook's going to be baited and we're going to try to go after it. But Lord, I pray that we'd find our confidence in what you've given us, knowing that you have equipped us to do great things for you. And like I said, we lack nothing. And so I pray as we go into this year, I pray that we would have that mindset and that things would begin to change. Lord, I pray with all of my heart that for every one of us this year, that 2018 would be like no other year. Because I know with all of my heart that you have great things in store for us if we can just change our focus and look to you instead of those around us. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for speaking to us. May the things we said, may the things you've said to us hit our hearts and change our lives. In your name we pray, amen.